When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Today's question asks if I can go over some signs of a toxic relationship. So I'm going to make this video seven signs of a toxic relationship. So the first thought that comes up here right away is, what is the difference between toxic and bad? And how do these overlap with narcissism? So really, what is a toxic relationship in relation to a term like a bad relationship or a relationship that involves narcissism? I would say it's similar to bad, but worse than just an ordinary level of bad. It has a downward trajectory. It robs people of enthusiasm, hope, optimism, specifically in the context of a relationship. And it's emotionally damaging and draining. So that's how it relates to bad. But in terms of narcissism, I would say that most toxic relationships involve one or both people in the relationship. We're talking about romantic relationships here that have narcissism. So narcissism is very common. It's a feature we see with a number of toxic relationships. As I go through these different signs, you'll see signs in here that align closely with narcissism. Now, sometimes we hear this term toxic person, and this is pretty interesting. A person can be toxic alone. So the person by themselves can be toxic. They can be toxic in a relationship and alone. So they're toxic everywhere. And sometimes a person is only toxic in the context of a relationship. So what I mean by this is sometimes the relationship characteristics can activate toxicity. So this whole construct of a toxic relationship is complex. Toxicity exists kind of everywhere. So I'm going to cover seven signs of a toxic relationship, but really this is more like seven categories here because I have examples under each major sign. So there's some overlap between these categories, but I tried to separate them as good as I could. So I'm kind of looking at these examples as I go through this list from the point of view of a partner who is not involved in perpetuating the toxic relationship. So essentially kind of looking at a toxic relationship like a perpetrator and a victim. So this is really from the victim's point of view. Now, of course, in real life, a lot of times with toxic relationships, each person contributes to that relationship to some degree. Also in this list, I excluded any type of physical violence and infidelity because I think 
those features are somewhat obvious. Those are connected very strongly to toxic relationships. And one last point before we get into the list. If you believe you're in a toxic relationship, seeking counseling is a good move because only a licensed and qualified clinician can really help somebody to deal with a toxic relationship, especially if it's severe. So sign or category number one is arguments. And of course, arguments are a key part of toxic relationships, but it's really certain characteristics of the arguments that we tend to see. For example, if a couple has a lot of arguments and there's no resolution, that's not a good sign. If arguments are terminated by one person physically leaving, especially if that person is not in distress, so really as a type of manipulation, and that's another sign I'll get to later, but as a type of manipulation, they physically leave the argument so the argument can't continue toward a resolution. If the argument persists for days, weeks, and sometimes I've heard of arguments even going on for months, that's not a good sign. If yelling and screaming take place when somebody's losing an argument, like if they're losing an argument based on logic and they just start yelling at their partner, that's not a good sign. Another component of this argument sign is what I call the dark cloud. It's associated with vulnerable narcissism. So this would be bringing up the past in an argument and giving, again, the victim, I'm looking at this as perpetrator victim, giving the victim this idea that they can never be free from what they've done wrong. So it's a relationship without forgiveness. Also threatening to leave or get a divorce unless an argument is settled in one's favor is part of this argument sign and it points toward a toxic relationship. The second sign has to do with negative feelings and again specific negative feelings we tend to see with toxic relationships. So if someone has the feeling that their partner prefers that they were dead or otherwise gone so the victim feels like their partner believes that it'd be better if the victim were dead, that's a bad sign. And this is actually a fairly common sign I see around negative feelings and toxic relationships. So an individual just has the sense from all their interactions with their partner that their partner doesn't want them around anymore. Another indication would be dreading sex or finding that sex lacks an emotional component. This is tied in with both narcissism and psychopathy. Not feeling safe to share feelings because you believe those feelings will be used against you in an argument later on, or maybe sometimes not so later on. So it's really this sense that you're always on the stand, like in a trial. So it's a legalistic environment where you have to be careful about everything that you say. Kind of tied in with this would be the idea of walking on eggshells. That's part of it. And the last item here under negative feelings is actually kind of a physical feeling. It's when somebody feels physically sick when their partner talks to them or comes home. Similarly, they feel relief, like physical relief, when their partner leaves or goes to work or something like that. So there's like a physical sensation component we can see with toxic relationships as well. The third sign involves unfounded accusations. We see accusations that you are ruining your partner's life, accusations of infidelity without convincing evidence to support them, and accusing you of using your partner for sex, money, household chores, or status. So all those accusations point toward a toxic relationship. Number four is unhelpful personality and temperament characteristics. So what we see in terms of, again, looking at like a victim perpetrator, the perpetrator would have a short fuse, often angry, they'd be snarky, frustrated, have a lack of tenderness, depth, empathy, kindness, 
and compassion. So again, a lack of all those things. And be resentful, impulsive, and antagonistic. So these characteristics have quite a bit of overlap with both psychopathy and narcissism. Number five is an unhelpful communication style. And this involves kind of a lot of different characteristics and examples. So if you're making an attempt to end emotional abuse, like your partner's badgering you, and you're told that you're not letting your partner express their feelings, so they kind of defend their emotionally abusive behavior by saying they're just trying to express their feelings, that's not a good sign. And if we look at just badgering, which of course, as I mentioned, is emotional abuse, continuing to badger someone after they exhibit an expression like crying or something like that, that's a bad sign. So in relationships, when somebody's being aggressive, a lot of times what we see is the other person becomes submissive. They Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Give off signs that they're ready for the fight to end. And when someone doesn't recognize signs that somebody's trying to end a fight, that's a really bad indicator in terms of a toxic relationship. Another feature around this communication piece is refusing to accept, process, or recognize criticism. So if you point out a criticism, immediately they criticize you. So you never really get to talk about the issue. Because in a sense, you have to stay defensive, or at least it seems like you have to stay defensive. This kind of distraction technique, this redirection technique, is actually a type of manipulation that we see a lot with narcissism. It's really a form of gaslighting. The next feature of communication is when no real communication takes place. And this is really probably more bad than actually toxic, but it can maintain a toxic environment. So I kind of included it here. So it's like if you're sitting in the same room with your partner and they're on their smartphone, or maybe both people are on their smartphones, and like playing a game or checking email and not really communicating, right? Situations where normally people would be in contact and they're really not. And the last feature here under communication is when somebody never apologizes. Apologizing is a key to a healthy relationship. If you always find yourself apologizing and you feel like you're apologizing even when you don't feel like you did something wrong, that's also a bad sign around communication. Sign number six is excessive fantasy. So this is kind of similar to what I talked about before, like if a partner wishes their partner would disappear, but this is more like the fantasy, right? So like making calculations, calculating what like the alimony will be like or the child support would be like or other costs would be like if you moved out. So if you wish your partner were gone and you're kind of going through those mental calculations to escape, that's not a good sign. We also see fantasizing about a life with another partner, like another romantic partner, especially if this is done repeatedly, and fantasizing about striking it rich, again, with the same 
kind of object, which would be to use that money to get a divorce or otherwise escape your partner. The last sign here, number seven, is manipulation. And this is outside of what I've already included under the argument sign. So we see all different types of manipulation. I'm just going to list a few here that I think are particularly present in toxic relationships. So the first is spending money to hurt a partner. So if one partner works and the other partner doesn't work, and the partner who doesn't work, like runs up the credit card debt to get back at the person who does, that's a form of manipulation. The silent treatment is a form of manipulation we see. If your partner tells you that others agree with them that you're bad, like all their friends think you're awful, or your partner tells their friends that you're awful, that's not a good sign. Telling you that you would never survive without them, you're not good enough, you're not self-reliant, you're not strong enough, kind of putting you down, making you feel like you really need them, forming like a dependency, that's indicative of a toxic relationship. And one of the, I think, strongest indicators under this category anyway, is when somebody tries to cut you off from support, isolation. So they might say you're dramatic or weak if you go to seek counseling, for example, or go to seek anyone that can help you. Specifically in the realm of counseling, I see a number of examples from this area. If your partner is trying to keep you away from a counselor, just in general, I think that's a bad sign. And if you are seeing a counselor, they try to minimize the counselor's ability and minimize the counselor's advice to you. So really just kind of putting the counselor down, not necessarily to the counselor, but to you, right, to try to cut you off from support. Nobody in a healthy relationship should fear somebody seeking mental health treatment or advice on relationships or anything that a counselor would provide. That's a bad indication of a toxic relationship. So those are the seven signs of a toxic relationship. The next question I usually get after this would be, can a toxic relationship be saved? And sometimes I get the question, should it be saved? Well, I think one of the kind of quick pieces of advice we see all over the internet, including YouTube, is leaving. Leaving is the easy answer, right? So why bother trying to fix a toxic relationship when you can just leave? But for most people, leaving is not an option. And a lot of times it's not a good option, even if it's an available option. It's not always the best move in terms of meeting goals, whether the goal is happiness or peace or whatever. Most of the time, I think that toxic relationships actually can be saved, but it takes a lot of work. And just like we see with personality disorders, even when toxic relationships heal, they keep characteristics of the toxic relationship, usually for the lifespan of the relationship, right? So if somebody has borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder or some other personality disorder, and they receive treatment and they improve, they're still going to have some of those characteristics, even if they don't technically meet the diagnostic criteria anymore. And again, that's how I kind of feel about the toxic component of toxic relationships. It stays around. Some of those components stay around, even though the relationship has largely healed. So I'm actually more or less optimistic about toxic relationships, especially when each person in the relationship wants a positive change. If only one person wants a positive change, I'm less optimistic. And if neither want change, I'm not really sure what can happen there. Counseling isn't usually going to do much for people that aren't motivated somewhat to change. But either way, I think seeking counseling is always a good idea. And trying to be aware of the bad habits and adding in good habits to replace them, I think is a smart move. So realizing when you're engaging in a bad habit or your partner is and trying to be active, take an action right there, 
that can lead to a positive result. Grand gestures are usually not successful. Like if your partner tries to make up for bad acts by doing something really impressive, like buying an expensive piece of jewelry or something like that, those type of gestures are often really quite shallow. It's the little things that we change in our daily routine that actually make the difference. It's what becomes a habit that actually leads people out of toxicity when it comes to relationships. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Brightigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard note.